Oh, Jenny. Jenny came back and stayed with me. Maybe it was because she had nowhere else to go. Or maybe it was because she was so tired because she went to bed and slept and slept like she hadn't slept in years. It was wonderful having her home. Every day we'd take a walk and I'd jab her on like a monkey in a tree and she'd listen about ping-ponging and shrimping and mama making a trip up to heaven. I did all the talking. Jenny most of the times was, was real quiet. Sometimes, I guess there just aren't enough rocks. And that can be the truth. Sometimes there aren't enough rocks to cover the hurt and the pain that we feel in life at times. Uh, the pain that leads to disillusionment, to the breaking down of our illusions of how things should be and how people should treat each other. The dis disillusionment that ultimately leads to feelings of disbelief where we look at the world around us and we no longer trust it. We no longer trust the people within it. The disbelief that leads to betrayal that causes us to, to walk in cynicism and paranoia, skepticism, and that ultimately cements itself in bitterness. This morning, we're gonna look at the message of the prophet Obadiah, because that was his message. It was a message of bitterness. As we continue our series, Majoring with the Miners, we're gonna look at why this mattered so much to God. It's interesting when you, when you look at the book of Obadiah, it's the shortest book in the Bible. Um, it is 21 lines and um, it's very brief and yet in 21 lines, when you read it, 
it can get kind of confusing. It's, it's hard to make sense of if you don't understand what Obadiah was talking about, the people he was talking to. Um, so it's, it's one of those books that people just kind of skim over. Um, the book is about as obscure as the name. In fact, I did a little search this week to see uh, how many famous people were named Obadiah. Um, other than a couple of low-level Western outlaws, I couldn't find any. Um, in fact, I think it was 0.2% of the world's population names their kids Obadiah. Um, the name is obscure, the book is obscure, and yet the message of Obadiah is not obscure because the message speaks uh, to the very heart of what goes on in our lives and the lives of other people. The message speaks to bitterness and to the ugliness that can come from bitterness. The ugliness that can grow to the point that as we see in the book of Obadiah, God steps in. Because sooner or later, if we don't keep bitterness checked in our lives. God is forced to check it with judgment. And that's what you see in the book of Obadiah. God checking bitterness because of it's turning into ugliness. It's interesting in, in the... Um, in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews gives us um, some great insight into bitterness. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, we'll put it up on the screen for you. Um, look at what the writer writes. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Notice how bitterness starts. It, it, it starts like a, a root inside of us. And it just, it grows. And roots spring off of the main root. And by the time that that bitterness grows to the point that you can see it on the outside of us, it has taken hold of us inside. It has taken hold of our hearts. It has taken hold of our minds. It has taken hold of our behaviors. It just smothers us. It chokes us. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And we're going to see where that comes in. Because it's only God's grace that can keep us from bitterness when you live in a fallen world like we live in. Um, and that bitterness has a problem to it. That when it grows up from root to tree, the problem is it causes trouble and defiles many others around us. This morning, as we look at what goes on in Obadiah, um, I want you to just be looking for that root because we're going to talk about it. In fact, if you can go to the first verse of Obadiah, look what we read. The vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. 
Now, I just want to stop there for a minute. So, uh, this prophet of God is addressing a message about another nation, Eden. Now, why is he doing that? Well, think about what we said about bitterness. Bitterness, it begins, and as it grows and spreads, it just becomes a root. Bitterness always has a history to it. And that's what Obadiah is addressing in his book. The history of bitterness that has taken place with a nation called Edom. Now, it goes all the way back like most histories do. Um, and this history goes back uh, to Genesis, and you can see it beginning in Genesis uh, 25, um, between two kids, between Jacob and Esau. In fact, they were twin brothers who, from the very beginning of their lives, were competitive. In fact, we see uh, Jacob, as he comes out of his mother's womb, grabbing his brother's heel, trying to be first. Um, when we look at the story of these two, <laughs> we see that Esau is this kind of woodsy, outdoors type of guy who's, who's a little bit dull when it comes to human relationships. And um, Jacob is kind of a domesticated guy who's sneaky and scheming. And when we read this story, we find that while they had those interior traits or what, those inherit, inherited traits, they had a bigger problem. They had the problem of parents who were given to partiality. Isaac <coughs> leaned towards Esau and Rebecca leaned towards Jacob. Can you see where a root of bitterness would already begin when parents show partiality to one child over another, you are gonna create bitterness. We've all seen it. We've seen families that grow up in that way where they pour into one child more than they pour into another child. Or, <coughs> excuse me, we've seen it in, 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 in folks when they put together their wills and they cut one child out and they give the rest, or they give the, the lion's share to one particular child, it causes a root of bitterness, and that's exactly what had happened. In fact, um, Rebecca's scheming along with her son um, uh, Jacob created real bitterness because what they did was they basically stole the firstborn child's firstborn rights. Because uh, Isaac was old and he was uh, becoming more and more blind, he couldn't see very well. And so Rebecca, leaning towards Jacob, got Jacob to go before his father, claiming to be, Isaac, claiming to be Esau, in order to receive Esau's birthright. And so Jacob gave it to him. Well, when Esau found out about it, he was livid to the point that he had made a declaration that he was going to kill Jacob as soon as his father died. 
Well, when Rebecca, his mom, overheard it, once again being partial, she ran to Jacob and said, look, you gotta get out of here, you gotta flee. So she sent him off to her relatives. Years later, after Jacob marries and becomes successful, he comes back to his home. And he meets a brother who is still angry and upset and looking for revenge, but he staves him off by basically bribing him, by paying him off. And so for a brief period of time, there's what appears to be reconciliation. In fact, the two gather together at their father's burial place and they bury their father. And yet the root never goes away. The animosity between the two never goes away. Later on, Esau would become the founder of the nation given to him by God called Edom. And Jacob would be the founder that God would create to be of the nation Israel. And through their history, you could always see Edom doing everything that it could to carry out their family feud, everything that it could to thwart the people of Israel, to mess them up, to trip them up, just to cause them pain. And yet the interesting thing is, in Deuteronomy chapter 23, God gives a command to the nation of Israel. God commands Israel this. Listen to these words. You should not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. God calls them not to become bitter, because bitterness results in judgefulness. Judge, uh, excuse me, judgment. There we go, sorry. But can you imagine that? The nation breaks off. Edom becomes nothing more than, than a stumbling block to Israel, and God gives Israel a command. And the command is this. You have to treat Edom like your brother. You have to treat him as part of your family. You cannot abuse him, you cannot neglect him, you cannot reject him. Because God knew if the people of Israel did so, it would be out of bitterness. And bitterness would call for his judgment. One of the neat things about this story is the fact that God shows up for his people. That God doesn't just allow his people to be doormats, to be walked upon, or, or to be punching bags, to be hit and kicked around. God shows up. In fact, when we look at the passage, in verses 10 through 11, God lays out his case because he's had it with Edom's bitterness. Look what we read. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. What he was saying is this. Whenever Israel had a problem, you found joy in it. Whenever Israel was being attacked, you just stood back aloof and you watched. In fact, not only did you stand back aloof and watch, but afterwards you would go in and try to split up the treasure of the people. 
Can you imagine having a brother like that? Or a sister? Maybe you did. One who, if, if after school they saw some people in your class beating you up, they jumped in and they helped, right? Someone who rips you off and whatever's left over, they take. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the bitterness that that would cause in you? I mean, think about it. The root that would grow up inside of you that would take you from disillusionment to disbelief, from disbelief to betrayal, to, from betrayal right down to bitterness in your very bones. And so God says to the Edomites this in verse 15. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon you, upon your own head. He's saying what Paul says in Galatians. What you sow is what you'll reap. But God has a special reaping of judgment when it comes to bitterness. In fact, notice it says, the day of the Lord is near for all nations. When we talk about the day of the Lord, really when you think about the day of the Lord, it's broken down into two concepts. One is judgment, and the other is deliverance. That God will judge the enemies of God's people, and he will bring deliverance to those, from those who have oppressed them. Those who are bitter towards God's people, God will bring judgment. God will also bring judgment to God's people if they seek to live a life of bitterness. Why? And I want to share this principle with you. Because bitterness towards others is sinfulness towards God. Bitterness towards others is sinfulness towards God. Why? Well, let's look at it just from the standpoint as believers. When I'm bitter towards someone else, I'm living a life of atheism. When I'm bitter towards someone else, what I'm saying is there's me and there's them and they've hurt me and they've ripped me off and now I want to dedicate my life to hating them to messing them up, to doing everything I can to get even with them. Like you, I've sat with many people who have said to me, I hate this person. And I will always hate this person. And I hope they go to hell. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, we've all heard it. Because they're looking at it as I was hurt. There's no recompense from that and they're just gonna get away with it. And so I have to find and bring judgment. The problem is bitterness towards others is sinfulness to God because what you're really saying is this, is there's no God. There's no God who can heal my hurts. 
There's no God who can restore what's been taken from me. There's no God who can emotionally hold me up and encourage me and heal me inside. There's no God who can bring justice to those who have hurt me. That's why we can't engage in bitterness. Because when we do, it's not just an attack on another person. It's an attack on God. When you hold grudges, it's an attack on God. When you wish, wish the worst for someone, you might as well be saying you're wishing the worst for God. I don't think we ever make that connection. That's why we do it. We think that somehow how it's okay because they wronged me and God knows they wronged me and God is just as angry at them as I am and so we're a team in this thing. We're kind of like partners in hate. God doesn't work that way. God calls us not to become bitter because he knows what bitterness breeds in us. In fact, you have your Bibles and you look through it in verse 10 through 14. He lays out what will happen to Edom. Uh, excuse me, verses uh, one through nine. He says that the nation will be small. In other words, because of their bitterness, they will lose respect for the people, from the people around them. That their pride will cut them down because of why? Their self-deception. They will lose their wealth. They will be betrayed by their friends. They will lose their wisdom and their wise leaders and they will lose their security. Now this is interesting, think about this. This is what God is saying to a nation. If you engage in bitterness, you'll lose self-respect, or you'll lose the respect of others. You'll live a life of self-deception. You'll lose your wealth. Your friends will betray you. You'll lose all wisdom, and you'll lose your security. You want to know why not to become bitter? Because if you live as a bitter person, you'll lose respect to those around you. If you live as a bitter per person, you'll engage in self-deception. You'll start thinking all sorts of things that aren't true. You'll start living in paranoia. Because bitterness just leads to more ugliness. It, it, it leads to holding grudges. It leads to having a jaded perspective on the world. It leads to wanting revenge. It leads to not trusting anyone. It leads to putting yourself first and others last. And in the end, it won't be hard for your friends to betray you because the truth is, they haven't betrayed you, you betrayed them. Bitterness leads to self-deception. It leads to a loss of wealth because when I'm bitter, 
I can't see all the possibilities because I'm negative. Negative people don't look at the possibilities of what's around them. They don't trust God who can take their little and turn it into a lot. And so what they had or could have had, they lose. Bitterness will take away your wisdom as it will take away the wisdom of a nation's leaders. Which makes me reflect on our nation. But anyways. Bitterness will lead to jealousy and lead to loss of security. Yet God does this to Edom. God takes away their security. God takes away their wealth. God takes away their wise leaders. God takes away their reasons for being proud. But you want to know what? Even while he takes it away, while he causes another nation to come in, the Babylonians, and and wipe them out, that's still built in the fabric of our lives, isn't it? How can you be bitter and be wise? How can you be bitter and have friends? How, how can you be bitter and be respected by the people around you? You can't. How can you be bitter and go before God and pray and act as if everything's okay? You can't. That's why bitterness towards others is sinfulness towards God. And that's what Obadiah is saying. Because of your bitterness, because the people of Israel have, have held back their rightful bitterness towards you, because they haven't looked to take revenge on you, because they've allowed themselves at times to be hurt even more by you, God is headed. Because make no mistake about it, God doesn't just sit back and watch his people be hurt and do nothing. Now, we sometimes think he should act a lot quicker than he does. That's because we're reactionary. It's because we act out of anger and bitterness and God acts out of judgment, justice and holiness. See, the truth of the matter is this. When you live in bitterness, that bitterness towards others gets turned on God and it gets turned on you. And it's an ugly place to live. Obadiah speaks to the nation and and he says of Edom, he talks about their violence and their callousness. He talks about their self-exalting behavior, their thievery, their murder, and all these things. And he says, and it's over. I won't allow you to engage in this anymore. Because bitterness unchecked will eventually go checked by God's judgment. That's just the way it is. God will only allow so much bitterness 
before he steps in and he deals with it. That's why as people of God, it's not a behavior for us to engage in. It's not an attitude for us to hold. It's not a belief system for us to perpetuate to our children. Someone hurts you. You remember that they hurt Christ before you. How do we avoid bitterness? One, you have to believe that God's in control. If you want to avoid bitterness, you have to believe that God is in control and that if he's in control, he'll take care of what needs to be taken care of. If you want to avoid bitterness, you have to know that there is a God and is a God of justice. Two, you have to surrender your pain to him. There are times that people are going to hurt you. There are times that people are going to take advantage of you. There are times that, that <clears throat> people are going to exploit you. There are times that people are going to act like your friends and stab you in, your, in the back. There are times that the closest people to you, a spouse or a child or a parent or a close friend, is one day going to reveal that they never were. That the love you thought they had for you was just an illusion. And the only thing you can do is you take the, pa- the pain and you surrender it to God. That's all you can do. Because revenge breeds revenge, which just breeds revenge. And all of it is an anathema to God. Number three, you have to remember the depth of your own sin. Before you feel the right to be bitter towards someone else, you better do an internal check on yourself. You better ask yourself the question, gee, are there any, other, any people out there who might be bitter towards me? Nah. Don't kid yourself. There are. There are people that you have hurt. There are people that you've betrayed. And there are people who think you've hurt or betrayed them. But there are people who hold bitterness towards you because of the way you've conducted yourself. And so, before you even think about getting bitter, you better look at yourself. And you better remember the depth of your sinfulness before God. I mean, just think about it for a minute. Does, would God have reason to be bitter with you? Of course he would. All those times you said, oh God, uh, please forgive me. I'll never ever do that again and I love you and you and me and we're just close and we're gonna never, and the next day? Oh God, I, I, I rejoice and I sing of your holy name on Sunday and take it in vain on Monday. 
You know, all the things that we say and, and do and promise God, I mean, ugh, when you really think about it. God, I, I, you know, all for you, except everything I own, everything I have. But it's all for you. If God were powerless, he'd be fickle. And he'd be jealous. And he would be bitter. And the only time he brings in judgment is to stop that kind of behavior in us. So before you get bitter, just remember the depth of your sin. Four, forgive when forgiveness is sought. If someone comes to you and they ask for forgiveness, you give them forgiveness. There's nothing more beautiful than repentance. There really isn't. For someone to walk up to you and to truly say, I'm sorry, I screwed up. I shouldn't have, but I did. There's nothing more beautiful than, than, than someone who comes to you and, and they care about your pain. There, there are people in my life who have hurt me and they've never asked for forgiveness. And I've given the pain to God. But it would be a a joy and a blessing if they came and said, remember all that stuff? I am so sorry. You want to avoid bitterness. You better traffic in forgiveness. You better see it as your job. If your brother has sinned against you, go to him. That's what we're called to do. The Bible says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he does it again and again and again, and he comes to you and repents, you forgive him again and again and again. And you think, well, what's the use of that? Why should I forgive them again and again and again if they, if they keep screwing up? I mean, there's gotta be a line, right? There has to be a number where you say, no, I don't have to forgive you anymore. So here's the thing I want you to do this week. I want you to, your homework, come up with a number. And then apply it to yourself with God. God, you only have to forgive me 50 times on this one. And after that, you can smite me as much as you smite. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, our internal sinfulness is always justice for you, mercy for me. God wants mercy for everyone. <sighs> Number five, love no matter what. Love no matter what. 
Yeah, you ever see the movie The Green Mile? One of my favorite movies. Um, uh, gosh, what was that actor's name? The, the, the um, big black guy just... Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I love his character, you know. He's a guy who, who you know, kind of has this mystical ability to, to touch people and to take their pain away from them. And yet it, it gets transported to him and you see him vomited out. And one of his lines in, in the movie is he, he talks about how they turn their love against them. In other words, people and in, in their desire to hurt other people hurt them to the point that their love gets turned against them, that their love gets taken away from them. Never allow your love to be taken away from you. No matter what. If you become bitter, you'll stop loving. If you become bitter, you will grow to be callous and corrupt. You will grow to become vengeful and paranoid and skeptical and you will live in the darkness of negativity. And only the love of God can present the light that can lead you out of it. No matter what. Love, no matter what. There was an old television show called Amos and Andy. And I wasn't around to catch it in its beginning or in its radio time. Um, but one of the main characters, Amos, would always go around slapping the other character in the chest. We'd just use him kind of as a punching bag, and no matter what, we'd just kind of hit him in the chest. And so, Andy had had enough of it, and he decided, I'm going to come up with a way to stop him. And so, using all of his cleverness, he decided, I am going to tape a bomb to my chest. And the next time he hits me, he is going to get it. That's bitterness. It destroys you. And it's a root that grows up to cause trouble and misery to others. Let's pray.